Welcome to the Quadcast, a Yale Divinity School podcast series featuring expert insight and opinion on contemporary religious and political issues. To kick off Season 3, Yale alum Emily Judd interviewed Dean Bill Gettler about what makes a faith leader successful. Dean Gettler directs the Transformational Leadership Program at Yale Divinity School, which brings successful political and religious leaders to campus. Welcome, Dean Gettler, to the podcast today. Thanks. So the transformational leadership program that you've directed since 2015 has brought 17 leaders from the field of politics, religion, and science to Yale Divinity School. How do you choose who to bring to campus? How do you evaluate who's a successful leader in America that students here can learn from? Well, we're a divinity school. So first, we're interested in, um, in th- that, they're being, that they're theologically informed, that they're informed by a faith tradition. I'm looking for leaders who are making a difference in society, creating new models for faithfulness and for social transformation, um, people whose leadership is changing the world for the better. And so one of the choices you made was that you chose D. Ray McKesson, who's a leader of the Black Lives Matter movement, and he was the first leader educator uh, for the program. Yeah. The choice received backlash, most famously with Republican Senator Rand Paul Wang in, who he said, quote, I frankly wouldn't pay for my kids to take a class from somebody lecturing on the benefits or looting of looting or why looting is okay. There are some crazy courses out there on a lot of campuses, end quote. Why did you choose McKesson, and what did you make of all the criticism? So first of all, this was the first in this series in transformational leadership. Imagine starting a program, unsure if you're going to get any uh, response at all, unsure if anybody's going to pay any attention to yet another program at, at Yale Divinity School. Start off with a bang. <laughs> and then a couple of weeks before the thing begins, uh, Fox News is talking about our tiny little transformational leadership program. Uh, it was quite a launch. Several years have passed, and it is now really clear to see that that criticism was misinformed and pretty reactionary. McKesson is uh, hes part of a national civil rights movement that is about justice, that's about police accountability, about the end of violence across our nation. Um, it's a movement that has grown out of the action of faithful people over decades, uh, civil rights leaders. And the Black Lives Matter movement emerged from that same conversation, that same resistance, and that same affirmation of the place of community. It was not ever about looting. It was always about the, the possibilities for a better society. And, uh, and that was evident during the class. It was a wonderful conversation with McKesson. Students learned a lot from that experience. One thing that I hear a lot, uh, I've spent the last year doing a fellowship in Rome, is I hear from people who criticize Pope Francis um, for weighing in on political matters. I want him to be a leader of my faith. I don't want him to be a political leader. What do you think about navigating the waters between being a faith leader and a political leader? Is it okay for a faith leader to, to start leading, like you said, social justice Issues, sure, movements. I think I think the gospel is entirely political. It's not partisan. It's not interested in one party's agenda or another party's agenda. But it is interested in the way that society it is it is it, it finds compelling the way that society lives together and refuses to live together, honors 
God's children and refuses to honor those those children of God. Becca Stevens, the Episcopal priest, uh, um, uh, who who leads a, a large program in Nashville, was our guest. Thistle Farms is a, is a, an entrepreneurial effort to to help women move out of the sex trade and into productive um, and and uh, and profitable lives as as producers of perfumes and soaps and all kinds of other products. Uh, you know, is that economic work? Sure. Is it political work? You bet it is. Is it faith work? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think that's a re-envisioning of what it means to lead a people. And sure, that, uh, that is not universally well-received, but that's okay. And the transformational leadership program is strategic in that it's driven by the recognition that there are fewer jobs for pastors these days, and that ministry happens in numerous forms, including nonprofit leadership and activism, like you just mentioned with Becca Stevens. How is the meaning of ministry evolving? Yeah. The church around America and around the world is changing. New models of ministry are emerging from from small faith communities, small circles that meet in homes, to entirely digital ministries. There's just a whole range of things that didn't exist in the previous generation. Many of our graduates are finding themselves engaged at the intersection of justice work, of NGO or nonprofit work, and of what we've always thought of as preaching and teaching within a congregation. One recent YDS alum is leading a congregation downtown in New Haven whose focus right now is on immigrant rights. That was not what she was trained to do during her time in seminary. But she came into a congregation that was sheltering a person without documentation and is now deeply involved in a ministry around issues of sanctuary and justice. And she's a preacher and a darn good one. So is that ministry a change from earlier models? Sure it is. The Christian church and all faith communities are forever changing, forever emerging as something new. That's one of God's gifts. It's, it's, um, and it's also why a, a, a thoughtful transformational leadership program makes such sense in the midst of a divinity community. And now you've mentioned the young leaders, the, the young alumni that are coming out of Yale Divinity School. How important is it for them to have trial and error in the development of their leadership skills? We have to fail, don't we? That's the only way we can learn. We have to have room to fail and to fail without shame and without somebody ready to scold us. In today's world, that is hard. <laughs> and, and, and it causes many would-be leaders to lose their voices. To, to come out with a hope and, and some sense of certainty, and then when their failures are not understood by the community around them, to, to, to stop that effort. Um, but what we need to be doing is building real and sustainable leaders, making room for people to get it wrong, to say the wrong thing, to make poor choices. When we make that room and when we help them clean up the mess, uh, we encourage one another to keep on trying. Recently, we have seen many leaders through all different fields fall from grace because of choices that they made in their personal lives that affected their professional lives. Some people argue that the way a leader acts in private should not be relevant to their public role. What are your thoughts? Can a person who acts horribly or immorally in their private life can they be a good leader? Well, I'm a Presbyterian, 
And Presbyterians believe with the Apostle Paul that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So I don't have much interest in those who pretend that there are leaders who have lived sinless lives. I simply don't believe that if such a standard were held, anyone would be eligible to be a leader. However, we Presbyterians also believe in confession and in grace, which in slightly less theological terms means that we all need to come to terms with the ways that we've failed or fallen short and moved on as children of grace. So does the way that we behave in the public and private realm matter? Sure, it matters. Um, and in the midst of that, there's also plenty of room for, um, for renewal and for grace to take place. One question that just came to my mind is um, faith leaders, because you mentioned uh, faith leaders are human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I saw an interview that the evangelical pastor Joel Osteen did with Oprah Winfrey. And I remember she asked him a question. She said, have you ever doubted your faith? And he said, never, never. I've never doubted my faith. Faith. And um, I actually, a few weeks later, I was watching another interview with Mother Teresa. And someone asked Mother Teresa, have you ever doubted your faith? And she said, sure, I have. I'm human or something along these lines. Of course, I've doubted my faith. But um, I'm wondering, what's your what's your opinion on that? Is it... Is it detrimental for a faith leader to say that they're questioning either their faith or certain beliefs to their community to share that? Is, could that really hurt the community? Or do you think it shows that they're just human like like the rest of us? I certainly don't think it's detrimental for people to be honest about who they are and, and what they believe and what they struggle to believe. Uh, I, I think that that makes room for other people, to, for those who are listening to them, to say, yeah, you've got, you've got strength and courage and you're doing things that I want to be doing and living in ways that I want to live. And still in your life, there's been a place for doubt. Well, maybe then in my life, there can also be uh, the possibility of really important work and, and genuine faith to be lived. Uh, I didn't hear that interview. I think that sometimes faith leaders feel like they're in a box uh, uh, at, at, the, at the top of a stage and that everything that they say is going to be um, revisited by many. And therefore, they, uh, they need to present themselves as people who are what they would imagine to be flawless mm. uh, and without doubt or without any second thought. And it's so hard to relate to faith leaders like that. Yeah. Different ways of offering leadership, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Now, according to your outline of good leadership skills, skills that pastors need include money management, budgeting, fundraising, but these are not part of the typical seminary education. Are seminaries failing to adequately prepare faith leaders in this regard? I think we provide just a part of what it is that people who are going to move into leadership need to know. And I think that's always been the case. You know, law schools do not teach people to be lawyers. They teach them to understand the law. And then, and then those people so trained go out into firms or they work as clerks for a judge or they work in, in other contexts to learn the particular kind of law that they're going to practice. And I think the same is true of faith leaders who are going to be clergy, who are going to be nonprofit uh, leaders. Uh, 
a fair bit of, of the theoretical is learned in divinity school or in seminary. A good bit of theology and Bible are learned in those places, and some of the practical skills for ministry. But it always uh, necessarily happens in, um, in partnership with the, the places in which those folks will do their work. If they're part of a particular denomination, then the way that denomination handles power the way that that denomination understands the role of pastor in society is also very much a part of a, of a would-be pastor's training. In the same way, somebody who's going to go and do justice work needs to learn from those movements really as much as they're going to learn from their seminary and divinity school training. I trust both of those realms to be, to be significant and important parts of the education of somebody who's going to offer leadership. Yeah, I agree. I think that seminary is obviously not enough for a faith leader. There needs to be some self-education, some practical experience involved yeah, yeah. to really be formed. Right. So a significant part of learning at a school like this one is to is to put people out into the context of the work that they want to do. We call it supervised ministries. We're we're developing a new program that's going to be on the ground at not profit at nonprofits, so that people have a chance to more fully experience what's going on in those places, to figure out what they know and what they don't know. Um, to, to find the workshops and the mentors who are going to be able to uh, help them build those skill sets where a class in, in, in ethics or in the history of Christianity probably will not um, fit all of those needs. Well, Dean Gettler, thank you so much for joining the My podcast pleasure. today. Yeah, thanks for having me.